Thank you. <laughs> hey, good evening, you guys. Good to see you all. Thanks for being here tonight. Appreciate that. Um, this is, my name is Matt Mulberg. I'm one of the pastors here at the table. And, uh, sorry, Christian. This is that time in the worship service where we just stop, we look at scripture, we hope to find something inside of said scripture that's going to speak into our stories. Um, that's what this is. I actually was thinking, Lord, as you were singing up there, last weekend was my birthday. If you want to bring gifts up, now would be an appropriate time to do so. If you want to Venmo me after, that's appropriate as well. But last week, Lauren and I, we went to the Walker Art Center because we're snobby like that. And we were looking at these different pieces. And it's different going in an art museum when you don't have kids with you. You get to actually enjoy some of these pieces. And then we kind of took note of these. There's some different things in there. But we said, isn't it amazing? There's not a lot of spaces inside of our city, inside of our stories, where we actually just stop and stare and ask, like, how do you feel right now? What are you hearing inside of this, this piece that you are holding? That's kind of what we do here in this sermonic moment together. And so let's go to a text. We're going to go to a text, Ephesians 3. It's a classic Christian text. Uh, this is Paul, the artist formerly known as Saul, speaking to the Ephesian church. Um, he's been with this church for about three and a half years. He's had some time apart now and he's writing to them. And he's trying to bring them some wisdom. But he's also even more specifically trying to work on how they see them. What they see when they look inside of the mirror. Who are you to yourself? This is important, right? I'm glad we just dismissed the kids because my kid would walk out if you heard me talk about this one more time. But my eldest, Wyatt, just uh, tried out for Minneapolis United soccer team. Obviously had some pregame jitters prior to. I don't know a thing about soccer, but Lord knows that's not going to keep me from talking about it. And so in the between talking about pennies and pitches and red flags or cards or kicking, whatever, it does not matter. I told him, I said, Wyatt, you need to know that I believe when I see you, you are smart, you are strong, you are fast, you are capable, you are going to thrive in this moment. And guess what? I think mom thinks the exact same thing. It really doesn't matter what dad or mom think about you. It doesn't really matter what dad or mom believe about you if you don't believe that about yourself. Do you see in you what others see in you? Paul is trying to work on the people in Ephesus, trying to get them to have a proper understanding of who they are. And obviously this is easier said than done, and so he prays. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people. That's, that's incorrect. That's not what Paul wrote next. Oh, gosh. Should I stop touching things? To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Oh gosh. Okay, I'm going to give up on that, Patty. I'm going to stop touching it altogether. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. Everybody say immeasurably more. That's what we're going to harp on tonight. Thank you. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask and all we imagine, 
according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Can I get an amen? Amen. I like this text. Again, this is kind of a classic text. I think most of us have heard it either in passing or we've done a deep dive ourselves. But I was really struck by the point that you yelled out that immeasurably more. Because I have tons of questions about how our more gets measured. I have tons of um, curiosities about how we size up who it is that we are, how it is that we are doing. How do you measure up? Like you yourself, how are you doing? Then you can pick any particular role inside of your life, but how do you see you? I was thinking about this this past week. Uh, Patty, CP3, the point God himself, Chris Paul, we have been talking as a culture, maybe some of you haven't at all, and that's perfectly fine. Actually, that's healthy. But a lot of people have been talking about how are we supposed to understand this Hall of Fame career, this man who's 36 years old, which is older than me by a couple of months, this man who has done all but everything in the NBA, but he doesn't have a ring on his finger. And so there's a cultural conversation going like, how do we see his career? Do we base it upon, do we measure him with the good that he's made or the thing that he's missing? Do we measure it upon like what he has accomplished or what is still absent? Does anybody in this room feel like you are measured by what is missing in, in despite how much good you may or may not have made? Yeah? Me too? Just me? That's okay too. This will be a sermon just for me tonight. Thank you for coming to my time. But I do though because I think there is this tendency. I brought a prop which I know is very youth ministry of me. Where would my prop go? Nowhere to be found. That's my prop. Yep, need that. I think we have this tendency. I think about it a lot um, with measuring ourselves up. I got this the other day for some art pieces I was working on. And I don't know how to do the, the, the iPhone measuring yet. That's like level two smartphone technology. I'm just not prepared for it yet. But in so much of my life, be it in, in my job as a dad, which is not a job. It's a role that I love and I cherish and I wouldn't give it up for anything in the entire world. Or my role as a husband a pastor, a friend, um, like how do I size up? What does it look like? How do you measure yourself up? You know, how do you ask the questions? Uh, how do you find the answers of like, are we getting better at the things that we are doing? Are we growing up? Am I becoming a better husband? Am I becoming a better father? Am I, get, am I becoming a better golfer? That's the most important question. You guys, true story, I wish my dad was here right now because you should have seen me. Mark Smeaves, you would have loved this. I got to golf lesson last week. I've been feeling good about my game, but I usually just shoot by myself, Corey. And so I, it's easy to feel good about your game when your competition is an eight-year-old and a five-year-old. But I've been feeling pretty good about my game, been hitting it real strong into the net, went to this lesson, and my instructor was more or less like, where do we begin? Like, there are a lot of red flags all over this. So, so I was fine when my, I was measuring myself up next to Wyatt, next to Sawyer. But when I went to this PGA Tour professional instructor, all of a sudden, it's a problem. And all of a sudden, all my clubs are on Craigslist because I have no longer any interest inside of this game. And so how do you measure yourself up? How do you know how good you are doing? You know, I mean, I think that we walk around with our, all of our, these, these proverbial metaphorical sticks inside of our hands. I even think about, um, well, yeah. Yeah, I just think it's always with us. We were talking about this. I'm going to try not to spiral right now. But we talked about this earlier today where even so much of our conversations that we have with one another. 
If I'm coming up to you and I see you inside of a room and I'm walking around with my stick, if we're trying to actually have like friendly banter back and forth without any, even if it's benign, even if it's pure intention, essentially I'm walking up to you and I'm going, you know, like, what school did you go to? You don't have to answer that if you don't want to. Charlie? Yes, sir. Um, where are you living these days, ma'am? Okay. What, what do you do? You're at home, okay. okay, so, okay. So what am I doing when I do this with a stick? I'm measuring people up to see how it is that I stand to find out whether or not I should feel good about myself or bad about myself. Am I better or am I worse? Are they ahead of me or behind me? I'll be honest with you. There are some nights where I go to AA not to find support, but just to find somebody behind me on the stick. Honestly. Just so I, it's like a self-esteem boost. I'm, bad, I'm in trouble, but let's focus on Joe tonight because he's in a dark place. This stick, how do you measure up? The problem with the stick, the problem that trips me up is that the stick can only tell you so much, but it cannot tell you the totality of your story. It actually can't even give you the full answer to the questions that you are asking. I mean, there are some things that stick has no say inside of. Consider what I'm doing right now. How do I know if I'm giving a good sermon right now? Like, do I, do I do an equation in my head of the texts that I receive afterwards minus, like, the people I see texting during the message? Do I, like, do I do, like, am I experiencing peace and joy in this moment or, or anxiety and dread? I, I, am I getting, like, a response? Are people saying amen? Are people laughing? And at that point, it's the question is, like, well, what's the aim here? If we're going to build a metrics, what, what are we going after? Are we going after empowerment or entertainment? Like, what's the point of it all? Take it even further. Think about church. How do you know if this is a good church? Now, some people would say, well, we look at the values. We see what they stand for. We see what they're about. We watch how they move through the world as a collective people. And I would say that's a good church. But how do you size up whether or not a church is even doing good? Is it based on how many people come to the church on Sunday or how many people show up in small groups throughout the week? How many people are consistently praying? How many people are out there protesting? How many people, how do you, how do you is, it, is it based even upon like how much are people giving to the church or is it about like how much people are getting from the church? You can't really measure sermons, churches. What about you as a parent, you as a partner? How do you know if you're doing good? Like, like, are you doing good because you stepped away from the office and you're back more at home, even though you really haven't stepped away from the phone? Are you doing good because you are spending more time with the kids, but your heart's not really there? You're not offering up any more presents. I mean, parents, this can be a really tricky wormhole. I'm not trying to zero in on us, but you think about that right there. How do you gauge whether or not you're being a good parent? Is it based on whether or not your kid likes you today? Because my kids don't like me most days. But am I really going to play like this popularity contest with my young children and hand them the stick so that they can tell me whether or not I'm actually doing good? How do we actually measure ourselves up? You guys are seeing how complicated it can be when we actually take this stick and walk around our story and say, am I good or bad, making progress, or am I regressing? It doesn't work. There are limitations. There's this text inside of Re Revelation 21. I haven't really spoken on Revelation 21 much in the past, mainly because I find it to be terrifying. Um, and so I'm smart enough to kind of sidestep that mess. But there's some symbology inside of this text in Revelation 21 that uh, 
I've really come to appreciate, especially the last month or so. John the Reveler is having this vision. He envisions the holy city coming down. It's like end game scenario and there's this beautiful place of perfection where all people will be welcomed in for the party and it's going to be celebratory. It's going to be fantastic. There's an angel on the scene and John tells you here what he sees. The city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. He measured, he being the angel, measured the city with a rod and he found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and as high as it is long. 12,000 stadia in length is a number that is symbolic. And it's symbolic because it's supposed to point you to this realization that that's like perfection, like the order is complete. This is a place of completion. There are no flaws in the system. No, nothing is going haywire here. Everything is as it's supposed to be. The city is as wide and high as it is long and it's perfect because God is the maker, God is the builder of the city and of you. Like this is one of those things where, where I was talking with somebody the other day where it's like regardless of whether or not you believe in God or are on the fence or just a hard no, whatever it may be, having some sense of understanding with the gospel's good news, the reason why it's a universal gift to all people is because it's good to know that there is a God, there is a source, there's a ground of your being that says that you were made to measure, that you are fit to a perfect tea to live the life that you've been called to live, that you have everything that you, that you need, that nothing is lacking in you. But again, like I said to Wyatt, that doesn't really matter for you if you can't see it in you. You can read it in scripture top to bottom. It's there all over the place. But if you're not actually seeing it when you look into the mirror, if all you see is lack and things that are missing, you're missing the holy city. There's 12,000 stadia in length. Perfect. Equal lengths on each side. That is our truth. But the truth does get toyed with. And that happens here in the very next line. It says that the angel measured the wall using human measurement. And it was 144 cubits thick. So there's this shift in the story right here. We get the 12,000 stadia, we get perfect distance, all is well. But now the angel ceases from measuring it from a heavenly standard and now holds to a human measurement. Prior to, the angel was talking about a holy city. But now the angel is sizing things up with a human stick, human measurement. Think about how we measure things. I mean, most of the industrialized world runs with the metric system. Patty, show that photo actually of how we measure things around here. Not next one, next, that one right there. This is how we do measurements here in America and it works just fine for us, thank you very much. We're not interested in your metric system. I could not explain to my kids how many laps the 400 meter race was today because I don't know that. But I know this, and we're doing just fine with talking about burgers and bicycles, and that's, that's good enough for us. The human measurement, faulty, scattered, different. Paul is saying that there are faulty, scattered in different ways, but there is a better way. There's a more substantial way beyond the human measurement that can tell you more than just how far and how thick the walls are. Next line in verse 18 of Revelation 21, John writes this, the wall was made of jasper in the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. I want you to see why I find this to be so helpful. Because what, we, what we're seeing in this text right now is the angel is no longer taking out that golden rod and sizing things up. The angel is no longer toying around with human measurement. He or she or it has reverted back to some kind of heavenly measurement and he sees no longer the size of it, but the substance of it. 
It's no longer about like what's that wall being measured at. It's about what's the wall being made of. And he says that the wall, he says what the stick can't say, the wall was made of jasper. Jasper in the scripture is symbolic for God's glory. The Hebrew word being kavod, it is the God's imago dei, the imprint on, on the earth. The presence of God in any particular place, the weight is, is in, embodied in jasper. Gold is, is, is a symbol for purity. Gold is a symbol for purity, but jasper is about weight. And so when we think about John's vision here in Revelation 21, and we tie it back together with Ephesians 3, we recognize that there are some things that the sticks can't tell you. Sticks can tell you what you can measure at, but the sticks can't tell you what you are made of. And so can you let down your sticks and step onto something like a scale instead? When you come into the different interactions in life, when you come into different opportunities, different tests, um, different moments where it's like, is the real you going to emerge in this moment? Are you being led by the Spirit and who God says you are in this text right here, saying that you are rooted and established in a love that is high and deep and wide and for you consistently, long, won't leave you? You can put good roots down in that. Or are you led by the limitations given to you by a stick? I don't have what she has. Can't do it like they can. Don't have much money. Not very athletic, not very charismatic, not very extroverted. Would love to, feel kind of called to, but I can't because I got this stick. Well, you also have the spirit. And the spirit says that you're not just 144 cubits thick, that you're made of jasper that you have the glory of God within you. More and more, this is like, this is 101 healthy integrated living. Is trusting that God left nothing out of you when God started creating you. That everything you need is already here. That you are made to measure. When you can rest in that contentment, you can stop running so anxiously for something else, thinking that you're missing that one thing that's going to get you to that one place, and it's just not true. It's not how it happens. The people that I have seen that are most inspiring, the people who lift the rooms when they walk into them, are people who have embraced themselves the way they seek to embrace their neighbors. Jesus says to love your neighbors as you love yourself. That's not a commandment, that's an observation. If you want to love your neighbors, you have to love yourself. If you're going to love yourself, you have to trust that you are a holy city built on a hill and God made no mistakes that you were made to measure. There's this quote I want to end with and I'm going to go to a video. Um, it's from Marianne Williamson and she says this, We are all meant to shine as children do. We are born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our fear, our presence automatically liberates other people. I want to show you this video to close that shows you what that looks like. I want this video to speak to you. When somebody steps out of their own shadow, beyond their own insecurity, and takes a room filled with people with them. Patty, will you play that video? Benjamin and Justin have just written this new song called This Is Me. And 
We knew that it was going to be the anthem of the film, um, but no one had heard it before, and no one had heard Kiala sing it live. But Kiala, who I didn't even want to come out from behind the music stand. I didn't. I, I kept saying to her, just step out, because this is your moment, and you have to step out into the ring, metaphorically, because that's what you're doing, and you've got to stand right there in front of everyone and just belt this out. And I didn't want to. In fact, I stood behind that music stand yeah. until the day of that presentation. There was a moment in the song that I actually was so scared that I had to actually grab Hugh's hand so that I had somebody to hold on to. And then we got to the end of the number, and all I remember is just deafening, deafening applause. It was a sort of otherworldly experience. It was one of those moments that will stay with me the rest of my life. Unfortunately, we filmed it. I'm not a stranger to the dark. Hide away, they say, it's been on watch of broken parts. I've learned to be ashamed of all my scars. Run away, they say, no one will love you as you are. But
all time. Shmeeps, you love it, don't you? Yeah. These sticks can't tell you your whole story. These sticks can't tell you somebody else's whole story. What a beautiful gift a community could give to one another if we set these sticks down and we actually allowed ourselves to be embraced as we are for who we are in hopes of bringing other people with us. We pray with me. Jesus, God, you say that we are loved. Help us to trust that that is true. You say that we are enough. God, help us to trust that that is true. You say that you've given us courage, God. Help us to trust that that is true. Help us to be the holy city that you built us to be. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. That uh, message. Because that is, uh, it's, hard, it's hard not to be up there doing this. But what I loved about it was this is me and this is you and the idea that we are established and rooted in love. That's the tie that's so beautiful. It's not the things, the voices, the way we measure ourselves that our culture says, but that one truth that we are established and rooted in love. We are the beloved children of God. And we're established and rooted in the love of a God who the night before he died sat at a table with his community, with his friends, and he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat this, remember me. He took the cup and Jesus poured wine into that cup and he said, this is my blood shed for you. The new covenant. When you drink from this cup, remember me. So on this night when we take our communion, the, the little wafer on the top here, we can pull that out now. Dip it into the juice. As we take that and we put it into our mouth, we can remember that we are established, we are rooted in the love of God. That's a beautiful truth. The body of Christ broken for you and his blood shed for you. So please stand. And together we pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's worship. <laughs>